Welcome to another episode of the Acts 29 podcast, a resource for planting churches worldwide. And I'm your host, Jeff Metters, the Director of Assessment for Acts 29. And on today's show, we're talking about a critical topic, a, I, I can't think of a more urgent and needed topic than what we do for planting churches worldwide, than evangelistic church planting. We're going to be talking about evangelism and church planting today with Steve Robinson, or as he is usually referred to as Steve Robbo, or even just Robbo. Steve Robbo, welcome to the podcast again. Good to see you, Jeff. It's great to be on. How how are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you, man. Doing well. Is it a nice, sunny, bright day over there in Liverpool or no? It's been a bit of a dreary, rainy day today. And uh, I've uh, I've not had my car, so I've had to do all my meetings either on foot or I've actually used one of those e-scooters oh, today. Wow. One of those e-scooters. I'm surprised that it's been able to carry me, but I got around. It was quite good. <laughs> you know, I've <laughs> never ridden one of those things. Well, I never will again. <laughs> oh, good. Good. I was going to say, I'm going to be with you in Liverpool in a, in a couple of weeks. And I thought maybe we'll go on a little e-scooter ride together. But if you're out, well, I'm out. <laughs> we could do it. I need a helmet for sure. Yeah, that's right. Well, guys, if you don't know Steve Robbo, he's a lead pastor of Cornerstone Church there in Liverpool, England, and the director of the Cornerstone Collective, their family of churches there. And he is married to Sean, and they have four great kids. Steve, is there anything else you you want to you want to talk about? Anything else you want the listeners uh, to know about you? Um, I think that covers it. We've got a big dog that keeps us busy, so hopefully we won't hear him in the background. Okay barking or anything like that so we've got a big dog but other, other than that i uh, i also uh part of my time i sort of lead acts 29 in in uh, great, great britain as well which is a great great privilege to do but other than that i'm an avid liverpool football club fan Uh-oh. um and i also support oklahoma thunder basketball oy. team which i know you won't be happy oy, with. Oy, oy. we need to have a special <laughs> prayer time for steve at the end of this, the end of this show <laughs> That's all right. My Houston Rockets are horrible. We're hanging in there. We're we're horrible for a reason. We're tanking for the first pick. So, you know, it's crucifixion and then resurrection. It always it always comes together. Okay, well, before we dive into talking about evangelism and church planning, let's do a listener question. It's a new feature we've added in the show from time to time. And so we have a question from an X-29 church planter from Ethan Ezekian. And he asks, tell us how you pursue godliness and marriage and in parenting amid the demands of pastoral ministry. So, Steve, as an expert on these things, uh, why don't you go ahead and just help all of us here? <laughs> I think the answer is, <laughs> by the grace of God. <laughs> yeah. By the grace of God, by the grace of God. Um, it's, you know, I've been married for twenty, nearly 23 years. My eldest of four is 16. So there's a few years, a few years, and I, 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 and I know... I've said the grace of God, but that is that is the answer. It's by the grace of God. And I think I could, you know, we could share about constructs that we put in place and different things that we try and do to try and Bible reading, devotions. But I think that the, the two verses that I, I go to all the time, especially when I'm thinking about what it is to be a husband to Sean, is Ephesians 5.25, husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for it. I've got to remind myself of that mm-hmm. all the time. You know, the, he is he is a far better husband to Sean than I than I can ever be. But I want to emulate him. I want to be like him. I want to give give my life to him. And that means when I come home from a busy day, I got to sacrifice the fact that I just want to sit on the couch, maybe, or do my thing. That actually, I want to serve. I want to love her. I want to be Christ to her in the midst of a busy home with busy kids. And I think with 
with the being a, a father, I, I want to be like our, our father, yeah. who is these gracious, compassionate, slow to anger, abounded in steadfast love. Mm. I, I think that's what I want to be. I want to be a, I want to be a dad who's full of peaceful presence. And I think, in the midst of ministry, I think sometimes the temptation to see home, marriage, even with our kids, to be the place where I can just um, let loose and 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 in some ways sin. And, yeah. and not respond well. I actually want to work harder and be Christ-like and a peaceful presence in the midst of my home. So they're the things that I'm reminded of constantly, the, the faithfulness of, of Jesus as a husband to the bride. I want to be like him. Yeah. And then the, just the, the compassionate, merciful father that we have who is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. And I want my kids to know that and see that and, and experience that. Yeah. Um, so it's a quick answer, but I guess they're, they're the things. And, you know, we try and do family devotions. We do we do that every morning, um, trying to allow the gospel to penetrate everything that we do, which I hope, you know, flows out into the midst of my kids. And, you know, that verse, the Lord is gracious, Psalm 145. You know, just before that, it talks about all you know, you, the generations will speak of your work. So that's my hope for my yeah. kids. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. I love that. When, you know, you, when you quoted that part where, you know, the Lord, it's so often at the old, throughout the old Testament when he says, you know, I'm gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast mm. love that, that that should be also part of the, you know, communicable attributes of God to us that we're also, mm. you know, made in his image and in the image of Christ. Now we're being transformed into that. We want to head that direction. And I just think about the fruits of the spirit, as like a, as a diagnostic for my, for my soul and just, okay, where am I impatient at home? Why, why am I impatient with a, you know, nine-year-old kid about him spilling his milk? Like, of course, um, like he didn't do that on purpose. He didn't. So like, just, you know, just a a random example, not that that's ever happened to me ever in in my life. Um, you know, just to think about different things, like why am I, uh, like anywhere I'm being unkind, um, uh, am I joyful or am I more critical? And so like to think about the inverse of those things and just honestly, where am I at? And then, okay, Lord, I want to confess those to you, confess and ask for forgiveness of any, anyone in the home that I need to, whether it be my spouse or my children. Um, and then to come back and go, okay, Lord, I want to repent. I want to live in the power of Christ. So I want to be like Jesus. So empower me to do these things. I, I think honest, those, those questions like you're saying too, and these honest diagnostics of ourselves is very practical and a way to go forward. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I want to be, I, I want, I want to create an atmosphere and platform for Sean to flourish. That's why I want, that's what Jesus did. Jesus gave of himself so he could dis- display us and present us blameless before the father i want to be like that and i want my presence to be peaceful with my kids i want them to 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 know that i'll i'm going to love them and and display his his love those you know i want to display the communicable communicable attributes of christ and then also of the father so so it's tough man to 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 the ethan i think it is who asked the question you know where the evil one's going to get at us is in our marriages for those who are married and in amongst our families and our children. That's where he's going to go after us. So I'd be trusting on him and and leaning on on the Lord and our, our dear dear Father who loves us, who loves us. Amen. Amen. Good word. Good word. Well, let's let's transition to talking about evangelism and church planting. Um, you you're kind of known for being passionate about evangelism. 
So tell us, how, do, how has God developed this passion in you uh, for evangelism? And then, then how are you developing it in others there in the Cornerstone and Cornerstone Collective? Yeah, I think I think one of the one of the blessings of growing up in a context that has become increasingly more secular over time is that you engage with a lot of non-Christians. I went to a, a school that was I was the only Christian mm. that I knew at the time, and there was like over a thousand kids. I was the only Christian. I'm sure there were others as well, but I'm sure there were others. In fact, there, there probably were. But uh, and then I ended up working as a cop for a number of years. The only Christian in the in the the station when I was. I was sectioned. So my, my life has been doing life with non-believers. And I think in the context of that, because of the faithfulness of my parents, who we are often surrounded by people who didn't know Jesus, people living in our home, people coming to know Jesus, sitting on our couches, um, who are now part of the church that, that I lead, praise the Lord. The, 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 it's always been part of the DNA of, of our family, really, that we are people that Jesus has changed, changed the life of <laughs> graciously mercifully in what he's done for us on the cross and he says to us go and tell people what i've done go and tell people what i've done for you so that's been sort of the life that i've lived in um also involved and in, i was involved in a in a church all my life that began as a replant so i think with church planting and replanting you're very much like okay well if we don't reach people who don't know jesus with the gospel we're not actually doing what we've been called to do so that's been part of that so so that's what's been fostered in me just a real heart to see people that I love and know heading heading to hell. And the Lord Jesus has the words of eternal life and he's called us to share that with him. So that's where the passion is. But also what has what has happened is God in his kindness has proven the gospel to be true in my life on many, many occasions. So we've seen a number of our friends become Christians and our neighbors become Christians and in the concept of our church. So when when you when you see the fruit you want to tell more people. Yeah. Yeah. When you see what, what the gospel does and the power of it, what it does in the life of different people. And the bottom line is that I, you know, my, my heart is that's the primary call that God gives us. That we want to, you know, he says to his disciples, go, go and make disciples of me. Go and do that as you go. So that's why I personally have a real passion for that because Jesus tells us, but also a passion because I just want to see more people come to know him and less people going to hell. And and that, that that's where that comes from. And in terms of trying to encourage other people, I think first and foremost, um, Sean and I in particular and the elders and their wives in our church are very like conscious of, of the fact that if we're going to call other people to share the gospel with their friends and neighbors, we also need to be doing it. And if anything, we need to take the lead. So I think the first thing that we're trying to do when we're encouraging others to do that is to is to do that amongst the people of our church so often you know we'll be engaging with people from church and we'll be inviting non-christians um or or we'll be talking about our interactions with non-christians um having our home open in different ways and that's the first and for, foremost way the other the other way is that we're, we're a church that's planted a, a few churches over the last 14 years and i think when we're talking about church planting we're talking about reaching the lost um, and we're talking about um, sharing the gospel with people that don't know him in particular areas of our city. So that's that's sort of how we're doing it. We've run evangelistic courses. How do I share the gospel with my neighbor? How do I engage? But our conviction very much so is that as we live as Christians together, as a community, people are going to look in and say, there's something different about these people. And therefore, in light of that, we always want to give a defense of the hope that is within us. So that's very much sort of, it's modeled, it's lived, it's encouraged um, and when you get to baptize friends who you knew were dead and now alive in Christ mm. or neighbors who were lost and now been found, 
and see your wife do that of people that she's been praying for for 15, 16, 17 wow. years. Oh man, what a joy. So that other people see that as well. And other people are doing that in the life of our church and we're able to celebrate um, the wonder of what that is, you know. And uh, we got three baptisms this coming Sunday. Oh, right. Similar sorts of stories, yeah. which is amazing. So praise the Lord. I don't know if that answers your question, Jeff, but um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we just tell people about Jesus and encourage other people to do the same. I, yeah, it's perfect. Uh, absolutely. I mean, hallelujah. That's that's what we want to be about at, at X29. And as a church planting network, we want to emphasize more and more because I think it's kind of been assumed over the years and we don't want to assume it anymore that we want to make a big deal about evangelistic church planting, that we don't want to see churches primarily planted and grown through uh, just swapping sheep from other churches, uh, creating another new young alternative or whatever it may be alternative for in that community to have an Acts 29 church there now. That That's not what we're in this for. Uh, we're in it to make disciples. And that first part of making disciples is seeing people get born again. And and so why do you think, when you think about your role over there at Cornerstone and for uh, leading GBX29 there in Great Britain, why do we emphasize and invest um, in training towards this this like particular and specific kind of church planting? Because that's the primary reason why I think the church exists, that God displays his manifold wisdom through through his church. So people get to know who God is through the way that his people live and the way that his people proclaim him. And I think, and I, and I, and I think we've got to go in with that sense of confidence, knowing that, that when we proclaim the gospel, there is power in that and people are going to come and, and, and know Jesus. And I think sometimes we, we, we don't hold to, hold to that. I think we believe that, we would say that, but we don't have confidence mm-hmm. in that. I think one of the other reasons why I think we sometimes why it's so important that we emphasize that we are planting evangelistic churches is because I think sometimes church planting or revitalization can be, be just a pulpit for somebody to preach from. And I think, and I think that's, that's, my conviction is any pastor needs to be an evangelist. That's my conviction. Now, you may not have the gift of evangelism right, in right. the sense, however, but you've got to be somebody that proclaims the evangel. You've, you've got to be proclaiming the good news of Jesus. Uh, when, you're, when, you're, when you're preaching to a church, whether it's 200, 300, 3,000, and a lot of people are mature in, 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 in Christ, you know, I think it was Keller that says every sermon you have to have in the back of your mind that there are non-Christians yeah. in the room, there are non-believers in the room. So even if that is the case in terms of I just want a group of people that I can preach to and teach the Bible to and care for and shepherd, on one level, that's that's great. But on another level, the purpose that you're doing that is that those who are around in that community come to know the Lord Jesus as mm-hmm. well. So so I think I think if we... we, we what it also does is it makes us think strategically about areas where we need churches that are proclaiming the gospel. Yeah. I think I think that's very much how about. So in our context, we're thinking, okay, where do, where do we need a church to be planted where we know the gospel's not being preached, and that is increasingly uh, that is increasing a lot <laughs> in, in our in our context. So I think that the reason why we go evangelism evangelistic is because very easily we could create a church with 50 people and move people like chess pieces uh, and actually not not engage with non-believers effectively. And sometimes a small group of people um, go in and specifically to reach a particular neighborhood, a particular um, uh, town or village or, or city or, or whatever it may be, 
with the sole aim that our church is going to be about proclaiming Christ. And as people become Christians and as they grow, they they're gonna, they also will be proclaiming Christ. I think I've said this before, Jeff, that, and people misunderstand me sometimes. My prayer is that our church is constantly becoming more immature. And what I mean by that is we want to mature in Christ, but actually low, the majority of people who are coming through our doors are immature. Yeah, they just don't yeah. know Jesus. Why? Because our church is about evangelizing it's about telling people about jesus come in and and people will grow and we toil for them to mature in christ but we also toil in terms of proclaiming and our planting needs to be about proclaiming the gospel yeah. if it's not about proclaiming the gospel i think we're missing the point yeah to some extent. You, you nailed it bro i mean that's exactly what is on my heart and what i've been thinking in the as in the director of assessment role here is that we just can't assume that all church planting is evangelistic because I see it. It's not. It's There's guys just recruiting believers from other churches, building up a core team of other believers, which is great. you you got to have those things too. And of course, we want every Christian to be a part of a healthy, thriving church. But it almost just seems like at times that the mission of that church, as you said so well, is just to have a preaching moment for this guy, uh, for him to exercise his gift of preaching and just wants to grow these believers deeper in God's word, which those are great things. But you shouldn't plan a church for that. Like you plan a church because you want to make disciples. You want to see people get born again and grow in their faith and become more and more like Christ. And for them to go out and make disciples. Um, if you just want to teach, well then, I mean, start a YouTube channel, I guess. I mean, I, I don't, I don't know. I, I wouldn't even say go pastor an established church. Cause you'll probably kill that church too. But uh, I wouldn't even say seminary professor cause I would, you shouldn't be training anybody. Um, you should just, get a YouTube channel and just teach to that and have 40 people watch that um, and exist that way because the the elder qualifications are clear that you also have to be well thought of by outsiders. And the way you're thought of well by outsiders is that outsiders know you and can go, yeah, he's a, yeah, he's an honorable man. Um, he, he probably uh, talks about Jesus too much for me. Uh, you know, like he's always pushing that Jesus <laughs> stuff on me, but he's a good guy. He loves his family. I, I, he's a model citizen. Like, yeah, unbelievers got to know you. And so we want to be an evangelistic church planning network. And, and to the degree that we, we have even changed um, our conditions, our standard conditions and assessment for all candidates for years. It, it's, it's different in different parts of the world. It's been certain, like in the United States, it's a uh, 40 people. Everyone has that condition. You have to have 40 committed adults and we're, we're keeping that in the U S and it's, it's different, different contexts because uh, we want to be, be wise in all these different areas because we know in some parts uh, 40 people is a mega church. And so we're, we're not aiming for that. But one thing that we've added is to go, you know, if we're going to be serious about being an evangelistic church planting network, then let's put it into our conditions too. And so now that what we've added is yeah, 40 committed adults and at least one new convert. Just, mm. just one. We're, we're praying and, and planning and just wanted to see that you've seen one person come to faith since you've started the work, since your core team gatherings, your services, whatever that may be. One person led to Christ that you've, I mean, just one. And I've talked to others and they're like, well, man, can, can we do more? I'm like, well, the, the point that we're putting out there is that you're evangelistic and mm. that we want to see one person born again. And then mm. that you'd become, then you'll move from candidate to partner. And it's something that is actually, you know, we, um, we stole from one of your countrymen from Charles Spurgeon, who yeah. uh, you could totally go a Spurgeon, like for Halloween or, or, I don't know, you guys do Halloween or a costume party. You could do it. Yeah. 
I, yeah, I'm a, I'm a little bit taller than he was. I think I'm a little bit slimmer, not too much slimmer. <laughs> and hopefully I'll live, I'll live a little bit longer. I hope so too. But, my, but man, I would love to be able to preach same, like that guy. Same, <laughs> well, he, he had qualifications for the pastor's college. And one of them mm. was you had to have a new convert. And then they would take you in, they would train you, give you everything you need, uh, pay for it all, and then send you back out to do ministry. And I, I feel like at Acts 29, if we want to say we're about evangelistic church planning, then let's see our church plants be evangelistic. Absolutely. And, and, you know, even in when people are going through assessments and they're thinking strategically about what this church is going to look like and what's it, what's it going to be, that we, we you know, you want to be seeing a heart to, to be reaching the people in that community with the gospel. Yeah. You want to see that even in their plan and, and you know, it, you know, even in the midst of their anxiety of that and their worry for that and their their their, their fear of what that might might mean, we, we want, I would, you know, this is my thoughts, I'm not speaking on behalf of Acts 29 here, I would rather see somebody say, I've just got a passion to be knocking on my neighbour's doors and getting to know them and love them more than, well, my plan for the next four or five church right. plants before I've even planted right. this one. Because you're not going to have any church plants, you're not going to have any leaders to develop, you're not going to have any people to send if people aren't being mm-hmm. saved. And if people aren't being reached with the gospel. So I think it, if we if we hit there, by God's grace, the church will grow and then people, we'll have people to develop as leaders. We'll have people to be able to send yeah. and um, plant other churches. It, the issue is this, we can't think about church planting without evangelism. Yep. And I think maybe for too long we've thought about church planting and the leadership development before we've thought about evangelism and discipleship. Yeah. You're right, Steve. Because the, the the issue the issue is this: if we haven't if people aren't being saved, we haven't got people to disciple, and we haven't got people to develop to be leaders. And I think sometimes we're thinking about well, the next church will just come, and the next leader will just come come through, rather than actually the person who's living in my street may be the next church planter. Yeah, yeah. But actually, more importantly, in this case, I just want them to come to know Jesus, and Jesus will do whatever He wants with them yeah. in that context. And if that 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 happens to be part of the church that we plant and we send, praise the Lord for that. Bro, one of the greatest joys of my life is the first guy that became a Christian, the first guy that became a Christian when we we replanted a a small brethren assembly 14 years ago. The first guy that walked through the door was a Romanian guy. He became a Christian. He's now an Acts 29 church planter in Timisoara, Romania. There's a video about him, right? There is a video. And that's what I'm saying. You share the gospel with a guy who's high on weed at the time. (laughs) And now he's a church planter. So you, you, you're like, wow, praise the Lord for that. You know what I mean? And, and, and you know, there will be countless amounts of stories that all around the world through church planting, but it begins with us sharing the good news of Jesus with our family, with our friends, with our neighbors, with our colleagues. And Jesus will do a thing with those people for his glory. Yeah, yeah. amen, man. I, I get so excited about this, this topic because we mm. need it so much. It's it like, especially in the United States over the last 15, maybe 15, 20 years, it's been too easy to start a new church uh, without evangelism, where you have a good name, good area, uh, good music, have dynamic preaching, dynamic speaker, have kids stuff, have a lot of money. And there you go. You build up the system and all that. Oh, great. People are going to show up. But man, I, I just see some of these churches like you've not baptized anybody in years. Like that church looks fine because people are showing up and because money's there, but it's actually, it might be dead. 
Um, it's, it, it's hollow. There, there's no gospel power coming out of it. Like the Holy Spirit's not doing this dynamic work that we talk about. We want to see in the book of Acts. And so we got to labor and pray, um, repent and say, Lord, help us to be evangelistic church planters, to be evangelistic churches. And, and I think I can, I haven't announced this on the podcast yet, but Doug Logan and I just signed a contract with the book, good book company to do a book called right now. The working title is the actually evangelistic church. That how can we begin to see a culture of evangelism in our churches again? And we've got a very simple plan, and I think a supernatural plan, that depends on Mm -hmm. the Holy Spirit for all of it, um, for how we can continue just to come before him and and say, yeah, help us, help us, Spirit, make us evangelistic again. Absolutely. And the other thing, Jeff, is that evangelism is costly. Mm. And I I think for far too long in the Western culture, our, our... or being the church or our mission has not been costly. And I think when you speak to brothers and sisters all around the world where they're, where they're unable to meet as God's people, where they are persecuted for being Christians, the cost of telling their friends and neighbors and family is, is you know, at best they're ostracized, at worst they're killed. And, 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 I, think, and I think as our, our context, when I'm thinking of the UK and, I'm, and in the United States as well, as we become increasingly more secular, the cost of telling people about the good news of Jesus, even though that is the good story and the good news that they need to hear, is going to become more costly, not only for pastors, but people in our congregations. And that's something that, that we've all, we've got to step into wisely and rightly, but also take great encouragement from our brothers and sisters from all around the world who've been doing this for years. And many people have come to know the Lord Jesus. Many people. And, and you know, we have the, we have the greatest news in the world. We have the greatest news in the world, and we are living in the most confused time that I think the world has ever seen. And we're having people turn up at our church. You just, I just need to understand a little bit. Help me. I'm so confused. I don't even know what it means to be a man anymore. I don't know. I don't understand what it means. How do I? How do I navigate this with my children? And these aren't Christian people. How do I navigate this? This with 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 uh, my grandchildren. What, what does this look like? And they're, they're looking, and often are looking to the church, Francis, and we, we're able to tell them about the Lord Jesus. But that's costly. That is costly. And we've got to be prepared for that as well. Um, but it's often during the times and cost, and you'll see that in the Book of Acts, and through those times of persecution, where the Lord does wonderful things. Yeah to prove that it's him and not us. Amen. You know, and I want, I'm sure, you know, there's guys out there listening, um, church leaders listening who maybe they are discouraged by their church's lack of seeing conversions and seeing baptisms. I was actually at a X 29 Houston area meeting yesterday and talking with brothers about this exact stuff. And so what would you, what would advice or encouragement would you give to a pastor who feels discouraged about seeing lack of conversions and baptisms, um, or maybe even seeing their own, you know, members, you know, maybe lack of commitment to evangelism in their lives. Yeah, I think I think the question is: if you're feeling discouraged, why why are you discouraged? Are you discouraged because you're concerned that your identity is wrapped up in whether or not people are being saved and mm-hmm. those conversions, which is not is not true. The Lord, you know, the Father, our Father is is pleased with you. He said of his own son, before he did any ministry, after his baptism, this is my beloved son yeah. in whom I am well pleased. And if we're in him, he's pleased with us. Praise the Lord for that. Yeah. So that's liberating. That's a liberating. That's liberating, isn't it? I think the other situation is, I think it's, it, I think it's, it's good to be frustrated in, in a righteous sense. 
Because if you're a pastor and you're not seeing people come to know the Lord Jesus Christ, if you're a church planter and you're not seeing people come to know Jesus, I think that's a good frustration to have because you want people to come to know the Lord. Now, if that frustration boils over into affecting how you lead your people and you that frustration gets poured on them, that's not helpful. That's not good shepherding. And, I, and often um, when we become frustrated with our congregations because they're not doing what we feel we should be doing as a church for me that's often a red flag where we should be asking ourselves the question one of the things that we've done at cornerstone is we've sort of banned the phrase why won't our people Mm. and what we've done is what is it about our leadership that means our people won't so uh, straight away i think just to encourage brothers look the father is pleased with you keep going be faithful proclaim the gospel but then ask yourself the question, what is the missional temperature of your own life and your yeah. own home in, 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 and, and your own family? You know, what does that look like? And that, 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 the implication is the same for us all. We want to be people who are, who are sharing the gospel with our friends and family. The application of that will look different when, if you're in Liverpool, if you're in the United States, if you're, if you're in Eastern Europe or Africa or, or wherever that may, may be. But we need to have a temperature that when people are engaged with us, they know we're about Jesus. So that my question is that. What is about maybe our leadership that means our people aren't? Yeah. Um, and and then pray that the Lord does something because he does move in seasons. He does move in seasons, you know, uh, uh, um, and there are different seasons where he he moves in, 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 in a sense where we just see his fruit, uh, the fruit of salvation more, I guess, in certain times. And often, and many of us won't even see the fruit mm. of our labors. I, you know, I believe that if men and women have faithfully shared the gospel with people, when we get to glory, there'll be people who come up to us and said, I'm here because you shared the gospel yeah. with this person. Yeah. Or I'm here because you preached the sermon and I was a guest and, and, and I ended up being saved and I ended up being uh, engaged, engaged in something, something else. There's an old, old guy in our church, just to share this story as an encouragement, there was an old guy in our church um, he died when he was 96, and a couple of years before he died, he received a letter from a gentleman. And that gentleman had been at the the Billy Graham crusade that happened in uh, Liverpool Football oh, ground, wow. Liverpool Football Club's ground in 1984. And this guy was leaving the building after Billy had done his altar call. And um, Ron Martin, his name was, was one of the elders of our church, he went and sort of stopped the guy and said, are you okay? And he said, oh, you know, I, I'm, I'm not too sure about what this guy is having to say. So Ron sat him down, chatted with him, shared the gospel with him. In, 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 in the same gospel, but probably in a slightly different way, yeah. probably in a language that this guy could understand. He gave his, his, his name and his address to this guy and says, look, if you've got any more questions, please write to me. That was in 1984. Wow. When he was 94, Ron, which would have been... Ooh, about six or seven years ago, he received a letter from that same guy saying he went home, became a Christian. His wife became a Christian. His kids became wow. a Christian. And he was just, he, he found the letter. He wrote to the address, hoping that Ron still lived at the address that he put down. Yeah. He, we just don't know, man, do we? So to encourage brothers and sisters, there will be people, I believe. I will believe. Our labor is not in vain. The word does not return void. Yeah. So I want to encourage folks, keep keep going. But also ask the right questions of ourselves and of our churches and, and what is it about our leadership that means our people maybe aren't? Yeah. And what can we do to see that change? Mm, that's so good, Steve. You know, it makes me think of Ephesians 6 when Paul is, mm. you know, talking about spiritual warfare and then he's talking about praying at all times. Yeah. And then he says, and pray for me that boldness will be given to me 
to make the gospel known as I ought to. And there he is in chains, and he doesn't pray for his freedom or to be released, but pray that I'll, I'll be bold in making the gospel known as I ought to, as I should. And that we need to pray those things. And, and he's asking the Ephesians to pray for him, to tell our people, man, will you pray for my evangelistic fervor? Will you pray that God will make me bold? Um, and and to share those stories all the time. I mean, I was flying last week, Starbucks barista, him and I were just chatting it up. He said, what do you do for work? I said, oh, I said, well, I actually help guys start churches all around the world. I've never heard about that. I said, have you ever, I said, do you know Jesus? No. And so we're talking intently in this busy Starbucks airport. I think people are getting frustrated, but I'm like, Hey, this guy might be get saved. You can wait a little bit for your coffee. That's and I right. told him, That's right. I said, I said, Javier, <laughs> I fly all the time. I'm going to be back in this terminal back here. And I hope you're a Christian by the time I come back. And I've been praying for him every day. And so to share these stories with people, like just be, just be bold, get out there mm. and, and share the great mm. news of Jesus, death and resurrection for, for our sins. It's, it's the best news in the world. And Jeff, we've got to be patient. We've got to be mm-hmm. patient, man. We've got to be patient. You know, God, God, it's God's timing. And, you know, be present with people, be patient, let the Lord do his thing. And sometimes we're, we're in a culture that expects things to happen now. And, and let's hold on to what the Lord says, that it's going to happen in his time, in his time. That's so good. be patient and persistent and present. Yeah, These are things that we can be doing in the midst of our frustration and maybe discouragement that we're not seeing fruit mm-hmm. um, in the way that we want to see. Yeah, that's exactly what I told a brother yesterday who was saying, you know, we've been doing this evangelism class and we've been praying for people. We just... We haven't heard a lot of good stories. We haven't seen a lot of fruit yet. And I just said, brother, you're doing the right stuff. It's about, I just want to encourage you. We're always, we're always 60 seconds away from revival. Like we just, it could happen at any moment. Like what we see happening at, in Asbury over there and here in the United States is there's a normal chapel service and then boom, we're, we're, uh, we're, we're 59 seconds away from, from, from revival, doing the faithful things. And then the Lord could, could dial up his work, um, without, without any notice to us. And that's what we long for and and hope for. Well, Steve, let's, let's wrap up the show with the final three, final three questions. And guys, I hope you're excited to be an evangelistic church planter. Uh, I'm excited for you. I want to see the stories and I want to pray for your churches and see people get saved. And so email me if you want me to pray for converts in your church, you email me. I'm going to pray for you for sure. Okay. Uh, what's a great book you've read recently, Steve? Can I give you two, Jeff? Oh, two. What if I said no? Well, I'd give you two. So, <laughs> <laughs> so um, one is a devotional that I had the privilege of reading just before it came out by Adam Ramsey. Truly, oh, yeah. truly, Thank I you. say to you, truly, truly, I say to you, what a wonderful devotion where where uh, he takes us through John's gospel and just, just honing in on certain things that the Lord Jesus said and then jumps into our, to our friend Charles Spurgeon and yeah. uh, picking up on what he said and it's like it's like you're walking a journey with john and adam and spurgeon and they're all saying look how brilliant jesus is look at this yeah. so that, that i would encourage that and the other one is by a friend of mine called karen lacy from the uk she wrote a book called say the right thing how your words can glorify god and encourage people hmm. really lovely 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 helpful book you know we're living in a culture where people are very quick to use their words to bring people down and honoring is something that we just don't do well. And she speaks about how we can use our words and how we need to be thoughtful and how we use our words to build each other up as believers and as Christians and how infectious that is. 
uh, for others when they see that who don't know Jesus. That's a really lovely book. That's just come out recently. That's a lovely, okay. lovely book. So I'd encourage uh, anyone to get hold of that. So they're the two that sprung to mind straight away no, uh, when you asked it. me that question. Love it. All right. How are you finding rest these days? Um, I, um, I, I do rest and I enjoy my rest. I want to rest more than I probably am and should be. That's an honest confession uh, for you. But um, my big one is I, I, I work out. I try and work out as much as I can and spend time with Sean and the kids, walk the dog. I like to read. I play piano a little bit and mm, think okay. I can, and, and sing a little bit. So I sit at the piano and sing and spend time with the Lord that way. So that's how I, I, tend, I tend to rest. We love watching TV shows as well, Sean and I. We, we love BBC TV shows oh, and yeah. Bits and Bobs, so we try and have a, few, a couple of them on, on the go. So that's how we tend to rest. But we love food, friends, people. You know, as we're both extroverts, so we enjoy as much as that. So that's how, I'm, <laughs> I, I, <laughs> that's how we tend to, to, to rest in the Robo home. Go. All right, last one. What's yeah. your favorite favorite verse in the scriptures? Or maybe it's just a verse that's meaning a lot to you right mm, now. Yeah, it would be 2 Corinthians 5, 21 is the one for me at, the, at this moment in time. For our sake, he made him who knew no sin to become sin so that we may become the righteousness of God. Yeah. For our sake. for our, It's interesting, that comes after when he says that we're ambassadors for Christ. Yeah. Of which then he said, look, the, the old has gone, the new has come. You're, I want you to represent me. And, and, and you're able to do that now because you're clothed in the righteousness of the one who did not know sin. And he's taken all that. He's yeah. taken all that. He's taken all that sin upon himself, become that, paid the price that you should pay. And he's given you his righteousness so that you can be right before the Father, reconciled to him and be the ambassadors that we're called to be. That's the verse for me. Am I, how am I able to go and tell people about Jesus? Because I'm, I'm not sufficient for these things. I, yeah. I'm not able to do that. It's at the beginning of 2 Corinthians, it says that the aroma of Christ of God, for some it's the fragrance of life, for others it's the stench of death. Who's sufficient for these things? But because of Christ and what he's done for us and that wonderful exchange, we are sufficient. And we're clothed in his righteousness. It's our only hope. It's our only defense. It's our only... Mm. It's 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 all that we have before before him, and what a wonderful joy that is, and that encourages me actually to go and be an ambassador. It encourages me to go and tell others, and I want them to also know. Look, this is what Jesus has done for you. Yes, Jesus is just so great. He's great uh, you know, he's so great. <laughs> it just there's so much greatness about him. He's so good to us. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I love Jesus. Absolutely. Well, Steve, thank you for coming on the show, brother. It's great to have you. Your dog's on cue. He, he held it in, he so is, good for him. He is. He held it in. He held it in. It's probably welcoming the whole family back So from a, <laughs> from a busy day. Jeff, it's always great to chat with you. God bless you and all you do. Appreciate what you're doing for Church Planted Worldwide, man. Thank you, brother. I'm looking forward to seeing you. Seeing you soon. Well, guys, this show was edited and produced by Aaron Logan. Show prep and research was done by Christy Britton. And I'm your host, Jeff Metters. And let's keep planting churches worldwide. Oh,